Any of you uh, ever eaten a half-baked uh, cookie? Uh, the, you know, like, if it comes straight out of the oven, it, it's kind of okay, because it's still warm and gooey, but if it sits any longer, you realize, yeah, that thing needed to stay in the oven longer. Today's sermon's probably a half-baked cookie. Um, so I, I was sick this week, uh, like Wednesday afternoon, evening, and I'm like, I'm not feeling the greatest. And by Thursday, I just felt like absolute, uh, well, we'll keep the language clean. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got Zion's head cold that he had last week. Uh, just congestion, headache. Uh, then yesterday, this sucker went right to my throat, so swallowing uh, hurts. So I will not be greeting any of you with a holy kiss today. Uh, so if you are a first-time guest, I don't greet anyone with a holy kiss. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, so I told Zion that because he shared the cold with me that uh, he should have to preach today. And uh, he said, oh, sorry, Dad, I'm in preschool. I, I can't. And then he said, oh, I know we'll just bring preschool into the worship gathering. He's like, when I get up to preach, we'll just start with 10 minutes of playtime. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll then get to have a you know, s- snack. We'll all go out to the cafeteria and have snack. And, and then uh, we'll have our lesson. I think today's lesson, I asked Bridget, their lesson's on like a God's judgment or God's warning of judgment through Isaiah. So nice, soft uh, topic. Uh, and then, uh, then he said, yeah, and then we'll finish with uh, Cheerios and Kool-Aid for communion. Uh, I thought, you know, if he did that, probably be the favorite worship gathering for some of you ever. Uh, but because I am up here, uh, clearly you are not getting animal crackers uh, today. Um, but uh, you know what? I, I was thinking about it. You know, I, I'm grateful that uh, God's word is powerful, not in how I preach. Uh, it's not powerful in, in how much time I was able to put into the sermon. Uh, it, it's not powerful based on me. It's powerful because of who he is and what he's able to do. So I still have confidence I can be up here even though I feel like crap. I, I just know that God has something for someone here. Um, and, uh, and it can even come through a half-baked uh, sermon. So if you brought a Bible, I invite you to open it up to Exodus chapter 35, Exodus 35. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, if you're not uh, familiar with it, so uh, just kind of head to the beginning and navigate to chapter 35. We're, as uh, Matt said, we're in week three of a series that we're calling Living with Open Fists. Uh, The word fists is an acronym. At at, uh, Riverwood, we believe that God wants us to be generous, to give, but giving is not just a money thing. It's a heart thing. So for us, giving is your finances, your influence, your skills, and your time. Things that we try to hold on to in our fists, he wants us to open up and to give these for his glory and the good of others. So we've already covered the F and the I. If you missed those and want to, you can go on to our website or use your favorite podcast app and you can catch up on those. But today we're going to head into the S and we're going to look at how God wants you to give of your skills, your skills and your talents. Um, I picked this really odd little minor story out of the Old Testament for a, a reason. I, I, I went online, was trying to find some, uh, um, you know, basically because I was sick and didn't give the, the time and attention that I normally do to the sermon, I was like, okay, maybe I can cheat. Maybe I can, like, see what some other people have preached, and I can get, like, a really good outline or at least a good opening illustration. And I struck out. Uh, that, that doesn't mean those sermons aren't out there. Uh, it just means I just didn't give enough time to go and find them. You know, but, but basically, when people teach from Exodus 35, because the book of Exodus is just so full, and I'll be honest, for many of us, boring, 
They just kind of lump it all together and do just this general type of sermon. If they actually teach on chapter 35, they end up talking about the first two-thirds. I'm going to be mentioning that a little bit later. But, but they rarely get to this little section. So maybe you're wondering, like, okay, so we're already getting a half-baked sermon. Now we're getting a sermon from a passage no one preaches from. All right? So if you walk out of here today going, you know, Aaron's done better, I will not be offended at all. But the reason I want to go to this little passage is as we talk about this idea of giving of your skills and your talents, I've heard just a, a handful of other sermons on this topic, but oftentimes they seem to fall into one of two pitfalls. They, they either are so general that they don't make a difference to Monday. I, I just really believe if we're going to follow Jesus, it should not just be some sort of Sunday thing. It, it needs to be an everyday thing. And yet, I, I feel like some of these sermons just stay so general that they don't help you live it out. Or the more likely uh, place that those sermons go is they fall into guilt inducement. Basically, they try to motivate you to make you feel guilty, like you've got skills, you're not using them, you need to give them to the church, and then you f walk out feeling bad. And, th and that, that works short term, but, but that doesn't lead to the kind of long term life that, that I want for you, and, and more importantly, that I think what God has for you. So the reason I want to do Exodus 35 today, this, this little passage at the end of the chapter, is, is because I think it's going to help us avoid both pitfalls. That it's going to help us not just be too general. We're going to see it's a very, very practical passage of Scripture. But it's also not guilt-inducing. It's not designed to make you feel like a failure. Instead, it, it's designed to show you what God can do in you and through you. And if you're already using some of your skills and talents, I think this will be incredibly encouraging to you that you're using what God has given you. So we're going to do verses, uh, we're going to start at verse 30, we're going to go through verse 2 of chapter 36. So join me at Exodus 35, start at verse 30. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, for work in every skilled craft. And he's inspired him to teach, both him and Oholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled him with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver, or by a designer, or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver by any sort of workman or skilled designer bezalel and oholiab and every craftsman in whom the lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the lord has commanded and moses called bezalel and oholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the lord had put skill Everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have uh, read your scriptures. We now pray that you would explain your scriptures. That you would help us to see why this uh, tiny little story about these two uh, artistic dudes could uh, make a difference in our lives today. 
so Lord, I just pray you'd help me to feel good enough, strong enough. But uh, Lord, I, I know that it's in uh, our weakness you often show your strength. And so I pray you might do that today, that even in a sermon that I did not get to put in quite the time that I want, normally uh, prefer, uh, Lord, ultimately you are our teacher. And so even where I am lacking, I, I know you will cover those gaps because you love these people uh, so deeply, so, so much more than I ever could. Um, and so I, I, I trust that you will get to them what, what you want them and need them to hear so they can become the people that you want them to be. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, just uh, prior to what we read earlier in chapter 35, uh, the uh, people of Israel are giving and contributing stuff for this tabernacle that you heard mentioned. The, if, you, if you're not familiar with the, the story here in Exodus, the, the people are out in the wilderness wandering around because they had just escaped from slavery. They, they had lived in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. And that's when God sends Moses and his brother Aaron to go and free the people. And to do so, he used 10 plagues. The, the Pharaoh was really stubborn, the leader of Egypt. He didn't want to let the people go because, I mean, they, they were the bricklayers and makers and, and, you know, free labor. But finally, after the 10th plague, they'd had enough. They just couldn't take any more. And so they finally said, all right, just leave, take the people. And so the Israelites head off into the wilderness. Well, what, what they don't know yet at this time is they're going to end up living in the wilderness for 40 years. But, but God knows that. And so God wants them to have kind of a centralized location for worship, a, a place that they know that they can bring their, their offerings, a place where these sacrifices that, that God lays out here in the book of Exodus and, and throughout the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, a place that's going to represent his presence among them. And, and so they need the structure that they can set up but then that they can also take down, and it's this tabernacle. And the people are contributing everything that they need for it. But if you think about it, you're like, well, but wait a second. Um, they're out in the wilderness. You know, it's not like they could just go swing by Menards or, or Home Depot and pick up what they need. Like, how are they going to get the materials needed? Well, it turns out that God has already provided everything that they needed. You see, when that 10th plague hit the Egyptians and the Pharaoh finally was just like, okay, I give up, leave. It says that the Egyptian people came out and just started giving anything and everything to the Israelites. And we're not just talking like food and water for their journey out in the wilderness. No, clothes, gold, fabrics, wood. I mean, anything they asked for, like, hey, um, I, I really like your bracelet. Would, would you mind giving that to me? And the Egyptians would be like, yeah, you bet. Here, take it. Just get out of here. And that's why Exodus 12, I uh, forget the verse, but it says that, um, it, and thus, in a sense, the Israelites plundered the Egyptians. So now they get out there in chapter 35, and it, Moses says, all right, here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to build this tabernacle, but we need to contribute everything needed. And so the people begin to give. In fact, the people give so generously that later in chapter 36, Moses has to tell them to stop that they have more than enough. When's the last time you heard a religious leader tell the people, stop giving? Wait, you, you don't. That's why this passage, oftentimes you hear it taught in chapter 35 and chapter 36, talking about the, the generous giving that the people were doing. And so pastors are like, hey, you need to give. Well, we've already done the finances, so we don't need to rehash the letter F. Today's about the S, the skills. 
And it's right here at the end of this chapter that we see God mention the giving of skills, particularly in two men. These two men are named Bezalel and Oholiab. We actually see these guys first mentioned back in chapter 31. When God is explaining to Moses all these various things, like in chapters 25 through 27, it's describing how this tabernacle is going to be built, what it's to look like. But then, in, in, I think, I, here's what I suspect happened. Chapters 25 through 27, God's saying, hey, we're going to build this, and here's what we're going to do. And I think Moses is sitting there thinking, wait, wait a second, how are we going to do this? Like, Moses is thinking, I, I was trained in leadership in Egypt, and then I spent 40 years as a shepherd out in the wilderness. And now I'm going to spend another 40 years as a shepherd to your people in the wilderness. Like, I, I'm not trained and designed to, for construction and, and artistic type endeavors. And it's like God's saying, hey, Mo, don't worry about it. I got gotcha. you. I've raised up two guys, Bezalel and Aholiab. By the way, if any of you ever like, get pregnant, I dare you to name your kids Bezalel or Aholiab. Those are cool names. Courtney, you missed it with Theo. All right, Theo's a cool name, but... Theodore Oholiab, that would have been uh, the, the top. Um, here's the two things we learn about uh, Bezalel and Oholiab. Uh, we see in verse 32 that Bezalel is an artist. It says that he is given not just like an ability to paint or create music, but that he's an engraver. He, he's able to craft gold, mold it, wood, stone. He, he uses all these various mediums, these materials, and just does beautiful work with it. And then it says that this other guy, Oholiab, is built likewise. But notice after it describes Oholiab in like verse 34, it starts describing fabrics. It's almost like he's also an artist, and perhaps he does some of the same things Bezalel does. But now that the mention of all these fabrics, of embroidery work, of weaving, of, of, of the clothes that they're going to make for all of the priests, like it's almost like he's the one who's going to be doing that work. But I want you to, well, well before, I, before I talk about that, I just I want to point out, have you ever been around a, an, an incredible artist? You, you see their, their skill, their talent, and it just kind of leaves you in awe, doesn't it? Like, e even if you have that sort of talent, you still see it, and you're just like, wow. In fact, often for me, I see the, the work of some really gifted artist, and I just think, I could never do that. Like, not in a, a million years would I be able to do that. I would not be able to sink a three-pointer like Caitlin Clark from the logo. Like, it, you just, you're left in awe, and you think, I can't. I, I suspect that, that Bezalel and Oholiab were so gifted that a number of the Israelites just looked at that and said, man, I could totally see why God chose them for this task, but I could never do that. And yet, I want you to notice that it wasn't supposed to be just these two dudes doing everything. Look there down in, I think it's a verse 34. Uh, Moses is saying that God has inspired, uh, first he's talking about um, Bezalel, he's inspired Bezalel to teach both him and Oholiab. Th these dudes weren't just gifted in their artistic endeavors, they were also gifted with the ability to teach others to help them improve in their in artistic talents. When I was in high school, I had a, a math teacher who was a super nice guy, Almost everybody really, really liked him, probably because he was younger. He was kind of fresh out of college. Um, and, and it was obvious this dude was smart. Like, he just, he knew math. And yet, he just could not convey to those of my classmates who struggled in the subject matter. I mean, you could just tell he was really, really smart. So, so here's how our class worked. He would teach, 
those in the class who just kind of got it naturally would then turn to those who didn't quite understand it naturally and, and would then explain it to them. That, that's how our, our class worked. Because everybody knew he, he gets it. He's a natural at math. He just doesn't know how to convey it to us. Now, I married a math teacher, and it took me all of about 0.2 seconds to realize that my math teacher wife is just as brilliant as my high school math teacher. However, there's one huge difference. She's able to teach. In fact, when we were in Venezuela teaching in a missionary kid's school, I had a number of students who came up to me and go, man, Mrs. Bird's the best teacher I've ever had. And I was like, oh, that's really nice of you to say. They're like, no, no, you don't understand. I hate math. And yet she explains it like I've never heard before. I mean, even after we moved to Waverly and she started subbing in the district, you know, our, our, our kids were in the school district. And so we talked with their friends and I'd find out that they loved it when Mrs. Bird was, was the substitute math teacher because she could walk in and not only just continue to teach, but sometimes the students would begin to learn and understand it like they hadn't before. I, in fact, I'd had some say, man, I wish she was my regular teacher. She just is a natural. Bezalel and Oholiab, they're, they're more like my math teacher wife. Yes, they were very talented at it, but unlike my high school math teacher, they were able to teach, to explain, okay, here's how you go about doing it. Here's how you're going to craft the gold. Here's how you're going to engrave the wood. Here's how you're going to accomplish it. Because when you see this diagram, Nate, go ahead and stick up this uh, illustration. This is what they were building. That's all fabric all the way around. They need the wood for the posts. They need the, the caps. They, they need to build the, the thing there in the middle, the altar. All of this is needing to be built. The best sources I could find said that this thing was done in about six months. Even if it took 12, there is no way two guys could have done all of that by themselves in 12 months. In order for that to be accomplished, it was going to take a whole bunch of people. And so, yes, they were very skilled in their talents, but they ended up teaching others, sharing with them, helping them to be able to do it. Now, here is why I like this little story out of the end of Exodus 35. Several things. First, excuse me. <coughs> the first thing I want, I, uh, I want to point out is that the skills that these guys had, these artistic talents, they weren't seen as like less than, right? Sometimes I think within Christendom, we see like pastors, elders like Matt, you know, worship leaders like Jake, you know, like they're the super Christians and the rest of us are second class citizens hoping to just kind of work our way up to their level. That is not what we see here. Right? It wasn't like Moses is up here and Bezalel and Aholiab and everyone else is down here. No, did you notice in verse 31, it says that they were filled with the Spirit of God. They were just as needed, and I think you could even argue even more needed, than Moses for this project. Their skill, their talent was incredibly important. This is why I joke with one friend of mine who, who uh, attends a Lutheran church. I say, yeah, there, there's a little part of me that's a closet Lutheran. Because Martin Luther used to preach about the uh, doctrine of vocation. And I, I fully agree with him. Basically, doctrine of vocation just is simply, hey, if God's created you to be a pastor, be a pastor. But if God created you to be a doctor, be a doctor. If God created you to be a construction worker, be a construction worker. If God created you to be a cobbler, to make shoes, 
Make the world's greatest shoes. Whatever skill, whatever talent you've been given, use it. Give it. It's, it's not a, a less than. It's not like, oh, well, I don't have that skill and those talents. No, what God has given you, you are to use. So if you know how to bake, bake for the glory of God and the fattening of your friends. All right? If you are talented with electrical work, then shine the light of Christ by helping someone's living room light work. Whatever skill, whatever you've been given, you need to use it. And that leads into the second thing I wanted to point out. It's that God strategically gave Bezalel and Aholiab these skills. Right? He, 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 he said, I've created these men for this purpose. And, and then we see that there were others given these talents as well, and they raised them up. But this was strategic. God does not look at you and go, oh man, I didn't know she had a really good singing voice. I didn't know he was really good with numbers. No, he's not sitting there surprised. He's looking at you going, yeah, I know. I gave it to you. It was strategic. He's put it in you because he wants you to give it, just like he wanted them, Bezalel and Aholiab, to give these things. But also, if you've been given this, I just want to encourage you, continue to grow in your skill. Just because you've been given this talent doesn't mean you, you, you are at the absolute top of it. So if you're a musician, continue to practice. If you're a teacher, continue to become a better teacher. If you're a graphic designer, continue to learn how to design even better. Whatever skill and talent you've been given, continue to grow in it because God strategically gave it to you for you to use it for his glory and the good of others. Third, excuse me again. <coughs> uh, third, I want you to share your skills with others. Now, we, we see Aholiab and Bezalel do that. And we don't just mean that they created this beautiful art and then everyone else got to see it. I'm not talking like a musician who performs a song and we just get to enjoy it by listening. No, they, they shared it by giving it to, to help others grow. Now, I realize that I just earlier talked about my high school math teacher who was not a natural teacher. The end of the story is he ended up, being, uh, ended up getting a job at a different school district uh, here years later. And one of my high school friends ended up becoming a math teacher and working in the same exact department. And he, my former math teacher has become like a mentor to, to my former classmate, right? He's continued to grow in it. You can continue to grow in your skill and your talent so that you can then share it with others. You need to use what you've been given and help draw that out of others if they're showing the same sort of interest. Now, some of you may be thinking, yeah, but Aaron, I don't feel like your wife who's, who's really gifted at teaching. Well, let me just give you a really short little way to learn how to teach. I do, you watch. I do, you help. You do, I help. You do, I watch. You do, and I go teach someone else. Oh, and by the way, you would then go also and teach someone else. It's simple. Just if you start noticing like, hey, I really like, you know, whatever, and you start noticing someone else, hey, I, I noticed this about you. You want to just do that with me? Just invite them in. Oh, hey, wa watch how I do this. All right, you give it a shot. Hey, you're doing great. Why don't you take this? Oh, great. Why don't you take over and I'll go help do this? Share your skills and your talents. It's, it's the opening of the fist. Give those skills. And that leads into the, the fourth thing. 
your skill is for others. Right? Now, many people, when they have a skill, they have a talent, they find enjoyment in it. Whether it's musicians, uh, painters, carpenters, whatever, there, there's a certain joy that comes with doing these things. So by all means, do it, and I hope you are enjoying it. But it's not, first and foremost, for you. God strategically gave this to you for his glory and the benefit of others. And, and so you realize, I need to do this to help others. Now, it may be helping, as we said back there in the th third thing. You know, it's sharing with others. Because you guys realize that when you share your skill and you, you help raise it up out of others, you end up increasing the number of people who can do what you do. And that increases then the number of people who are blessed. And, and, and God is glorified. Right? You're increasing it. So you've got to realize that this wasn't just for you. So if you find enjoyment in it, oh man, do it. Love it. But don't keep it. Don't hold on to it. Open up the fist and give this. And then the last thing I just want to point out is that not, God not only gave these two guys the ability to do these things, but he also gave the, them the availability to do these things. Right? They were no longer in slavery back in Egypt where they're making bricks so that pyramids could be built. I don't think they built the pyramids, by the way. Um, they're, they're not out in the wilderness to learn farming techniques. They're going to be wandering uh, around. Right? So they suddenly have the availability. Some of you, you currently have the availability. Are, are you using that availability to, to bring your ability for the good of others? Some of you, you're like me, your schedule's so packed, you're going to need to think very strategically. All right, where do I need to make myself available, and how do I fit this into my schedule? Because if God's given you the skill and talent, you need to use it because others will be incredibly blessed and he will be honored and glorified. And I believe you will find your greatest joy. So to conclude, I just want to give you some questions just for you to ask yourself. All right. So what, what skills, what talents has God given you? All right. It, athletic ability, musical ability, artistic ability, you know, teaching, what, whatever it might be. What ability has, has he given you? And then how can you continue to grow to improve in that skill? How can you use this skill then for his glory and the good of others? Right? How, how can you give it away? And more specifically, who needs you to give them your skills and your talents? Are there a particular group, particular people? Is someone right now bringing to mind someone? You're like, you know what? I can do this for them. And then the last thing, are you willing to be available to use your uh, abilities? Uh, let's pray. Uh, so, Heavenly Father, um, thank you for giving me the strength to uh, get through this. But more importantly, uh, thank you for what you've taught us through the Word. Uh, Lord, it's, it's sometimes good to be reminded that um, the, these things of you, they aren't just uh, things all about the, the emotions or, or just lofty theological things. But these things are, are very, very practical. And, and here we see how you created two guys with very practical skills that ended up bringing glory to you. The, 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 the tabernacle uh, drew the hearts and minds of people towards you, but it also was for the good of the people. It was for the good of the Israelites as they looked upon these things and, and, and the, the way it, it touched them and made them filled with awe, but the, the constant reminder that the tabernacle was to them, that you were always with them. And, and so God, just as we see these practical skills put to use, I, I pray you do the same through us that we'd use them, whether here at Riverwood or out in the community with, with just our friend group and our service clubs uh, in our jobs, wherever it might be, that we'd take what you've given us and we'd use it to, to be a blessing to others and, uh, and for your glory. 
Uh, and so, God, I just pray for anyone who, who's been holding on, that they'd uh, open up their fists on, on these things. Um, and I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't feel uh, uh, guilt as the motivator, but an ad- actually an inspiration, an encouragement, an invitation to just open up their fists because I, I believe you're going to do something wonderful and great in, in this. And so, Lord, I pray that they would chase after you. Lord, I, I do pray for anyone here that um, doesn't know you. Um, I want them to realize, God, that, that you have given them skills and talents, but you, you haven't done it just so they can simply uh, find some joy in life or to, to simply make some money, but that you want to do something more with it. And I pray they'd hear that and they, they'd want to then give their life to you because we see that you, Jesus, gave your life for us, that our sin kept us separated from you, a perfect, holy God. And yet you, Jesus, came down and did everything and anything needed and necessary to, to repair that, that, uh, that, that break, uh, to, to cover the gap. And, and so, Lord, I, I pray that, that these people, whether they're with us online or listen to the podcast later or they're in the room, that they would right now just want to confess their sin, to give their life to you and let you come crashing into their life, to give them then a greater purpose that these skills and, and talents uh, can be used for more than just themselves or, or as I said, their job, that they would be used for your glory. Um, Lord, if there's anything in this that I, I, I missed, would you just very graciously let us uh, this week capture that, whether it be through a, a different sermon, whether it be through a song, whether it be the, the comment of a friend, would you just cover in the, the holes and gaps that I may have uh, unknowingly left in here? Lord, if there's anything that was not of you, would you just very, very, very graciously let us each forget it? But the things that you wanted us to have, <laughs> even in the middle of a half big sermon, help us, Lord God, to, to hold on to those things, to, to, to cling, to know that, that you're going to do something. And, and may that give us hope. May that give us encouragement. May that inspire us to go and be a blessing to those around us. So, Lord, I thank you for this time and this, this chance for us to spend a, a bit of, of time in Exodus 35. And I just ask that you would continue to teach us these things this week and beyond. It's in Jesus' name we pray.